0: Hi, I'm the producer of A Public Affair, Jade Siri Ramos. If you enjoy the show, I hope you'll consider supporting the station. We take donations all year long at wortfm.org. Thanks. Six foot six above sea level, I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency, radio modulation, the big sound from underground, another pirate station. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. Good afternoon and welcome to A Public Affair on W.R.T. 89.9 FM, listener-supported community radio in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm your host, Catherine Garvin, sitting in today for Esty De Noor. On today's show, I will be speaking with Christine Anhalt Deppies and Jennifer Steinlein pardon me, of the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources about Snapshot Wisconsin, a citizen science project that monitors wildlife across the state. Christine Anhalt Deppies is a research scientist with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, where her work focuses on public engagement in science and decision making, including leading the operations of the Snapshot Wisconsin Project. She has a PhD in human dimensions of natural resources from UW Madison. Christine, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Jennifer Stenglein also works with the Snap- Snapshot Wisconsin project at the Wisconsin DNR. Her work focuses on the statistics and modeling of wildlife populations. She earned her PhD from the UW-Madison in wildlife ecology. Jan, welcome.
1: Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: Great. So let's just start with the basics. Um, what is Snapshot Wisconsin?
2: Snapshot Wisconsin is a wildlife monitoring program that gets the public involved in science. And the data that the project generates helps the DNR to make wildlife management decisions. Um, volunteers basically host a trail camera network across the entire state, and that takes snapshots of animals as they pass by.
0: And how many um, cameras are set up now in the network that you have?
2: Right now we have about um thousand seven hundred and fifty volunteers who monitor almost two thousand trail cameras across um, the entire state
0: Mm -hmm. and um is this program unique to wisconsin do you know if other states are, are doing this type of work
1: Wisconsin is pretty unique in having this program. The fact that we have such a big network of trail cameras Mm -hmm. that is a service to the state uh, wildlife, that's pretty different. A lot of other bigger trail camera projects are really research focused and the fact that ours is situated within the agency and uses volunteers from all across the state makes it very unique.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. And um, so, uh, Christine, you mentioned that um, the data from these cameras helps the department inform policy decisions, for example. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, Jen can probably actually speak to that. as Great. well,
1: please. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so it's really um, an incredible workflow that the volunteers are out there helping us collect data. Uh, they have a lot of fun trying to figure out what's on their property, and then they submit those photos to the DNR. And at the DNR, we turn those photos into what we call decision support products. And one example of that is in the summer months, the deer are having uh, their fawns Mm -hmm. and we are capturing pictures of the does, the females and the fawns, the babies on the trail cameras all across the state. And we can get those photos from that period of time where we're able to identify the fawns and calculate what we call a fawn to doe ratio. And most simply, it's just the fawns divided by the does, and that gives us an idea of how well the productivity was for deer in that year. And that can be related to things like winter severity and green up when uh, spring arrived that year, and it can differ across the state.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. So you can take the data um, from the cameras in the areas where you have it and then just extrapolate that for a statewide estimate of that, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, the incredible thing is because we have almost 2,000 cameras across the state, we have cameras in every single county. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we do use spatial analyses to do the extrapolation, like you said. Uh, But the reason that we can do that with any confidence is because we have cameras spread across the state.
0: Right. So how do do the volunteers um, get their images to your central database?
2: Yeah, we have a really um, streamlined process in place. The project actually launched uh, as a pilot back in 2016 and statewide in 2018. Um, and so the, we've been you know, running uh, the program for a while now and have sort of uh, gotten a, a process in place that, that makes it really easy for people to participate. So um, all the volunteers take an online training, uh, then we send them all of the equipment and supplies that they need to participate in the program. They're responsible for putting out that camera uh, in the woods, um, deploying it according to our scientific protocol. Um, And then they go out once every three months, approximately, and check their trail camera, and that involves putting in new batteries to make sure the camera keeps running and also putting in a new SD card so they take out just like your regular digital camera they take an SD card out that's full of pictures um, bring it back to their home computer and then they upload them with a custom program to us at DNR and that goes into the database um, of what is now 78 million photos wow
0: (laughs) (laughs) now that's a lot now I understand that in addition to Um, people can volunteer obviously by having um, a a camera on their property but i understand also that you have volunteers who take those 78 million photographs and help you index them can you talk about that a bit
2: yeah so there's two ways that the public can get involved and the the first is the one that i just spoke about the trail camera hosting. Mm-hmm. Um, but if folks don't have the opportunity to host a trail camera, anyone from the, around the world can actually participate in helping oh. to identify what's in the photos. So many of our photos that our trail camera hosts don't identify or are particularly difficult to identify go on to a crowdsourcing webpage and there people can go see the photos, take their best guess at what's in the photos, uh, and then that allows us to get a really highly accurate consensus classification uh, because multiple people are viewing each photo, so we get this really accurate uh, view of what's in each of the photos. And that's on um, Zooniverse, so you can go to snapshotwisconsin.org, which is part of the Zooniverse community of projects. Zooniverse, if you're not familiar with it already, is the internet's largest collection of online citizen
0: science or crowdsourcing projects and snapshot wisconsin is one of those right right i actually just found about found out about zooniverse while i was researching um for this show um and i'm i'm sure i'm it's going to be i'm going to be a frequent visitor (laughs) from from now on so um so can you tell me um any more about Zooniverse like if I'm a volunteer you said that multiple volunteers can look at the same image and classify it can you say a little bit more about that process for the volunteers is there more to more to add Uh, sure yeah so when you're
1: you can just sign on to Zooniverse Mm -hmm. and it really helps us if you create an account especially if you think you're gonna be coming back again uh, and if you, and, and then if you do that too, it just, um, I don't know, it, it's a pretty engaging community. So mm-hmm. it's really fun to interact with the photos and interact with the volunteers that are classifying the photos. Uh, and so in that process, it's on Zooniverse, you know, you're logged in, you sign in and go to Snapshot Wisconsin Project, and the photos are just served up randomly. Uh, So any, you know, we don't send all of our photos to Zooniverse. We send the photos that we need additional help classifying. So sometimes it's because they haven't gotten a classification before. The other main way we get classifications is those trail camera hosts. They're able to classify the photos that they get from their camera on their oftentimes private property or the public land that they're volunteering on and our volunteers who are classifying their own photos from that single trail camera do an incredible job Uh, they're highly accurate and they really help with the process of getting blanks out of the database Mm -hmm. getting the pictures of themselves classifying or going to check the camera out of the database and a lot of the animal species too But then some of those tougher ones, like a red fox versus a gray fox, uh, we need additional people to help us uh, um, understand what's in there. And so that's where the consensus classification is really helpful. So on Zooniverse, it might show like the, you know, it's just a, you know, math and (laughs) a bunch of formulas behind it, I'm sure. But Mm -hmm. some 15 or so people max, probably less than that. I forget what the rules are, but maybe like seven or eight people might be shown that same photo. Uh, of a gray fox something that was called a gray fox and they'll vote or they'll you know classify it and somebody might say it's a gray fox someone might say it's a red fox Uh, but maybe say like six of the people say it's a gray fox and then it'll be retired as a gray fox and then we'll have data from all of those people who've classified that single photo that it's a gray fox and another cool part to zooniverse is if you see something neat in a photo or just want to talk about it, you can talk about it with the community on Zooniverse. Mm -hmm. And so you can make a comment, say, oh, I need help with this one. You know, is this a gray fox? So you can improve your classification skills that way. Or, you know, we've had some incredible photos of gray foxes climbing trees on Snapshot Wisconsin. So you might want to share that photo and you might want to tag it as something especially interesting. Um, Yeah, Zooniverse is, it's a really cool part of our project and And it's uh, neat, too, that it brings the project outside of Wisconsin's borders.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, It's uh, now 1217, and you are listening to A Public Affair. I'm your host, Katherine Garvins. I'm speaking today with scientists from the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources about the citizen science project called Snapshot. The project tracks wildlife statewide through a series of trail cameras monitored by volunteers. We are taking your questions from my guest this hour at 608 256 2001. Just call that number and team, our team will make sure that your call gets through to the studio. So, um, just touching on Zooniverse a little bit more, it sounds like the, the program actually does some of the work for you in terms of kind of aggregating these different classifications, right?
1: Kind of. Yeah. We have a lot of work on our end to do to help interpret what those photos are. Uh, but the, the program does an incredible job at giving us the information that we need to do that. So it gives us a unique ID for the photo. It gives us you know information about when it was tagged and what it was tagged as and how many uh, individuals were in the photo, the count of animals in the photo. So it is a mix, but we do have a data scientist that works for the project at the DNR. And that person has been invaluable uh, in trying to help us uh, use the all, all of the classification data that we get mm-hmm. and how to get um, every photo to a final classification because we do have these different ways that we can classify photos.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, is there like a, a minimum age that you have, like for the, for the classifiers, for example, or is there a window of the type of person you want to do that type of classifying?
2: One of the things that's really great about Zooniverse is that you don't have to have any prior experience Mm -hmm. or knowledge of wildlife at at all. Um, We have a really great field guide that pops out of the side. So as you're taking a look at a photo, you can go in and kind of identify the characteristics. Okay, this is something medium-sized. It's gray, um, and that helps to sort of narrow down uh, what you might be looking at. And because we're getting a consensus classification, uh, if you're inexperienced, that's okay. Um, we tell everybody just to make their sort of very best guess mm-hmm. at what they think is in the photo. And so really anyone, um, any age, anyone from around the world uh, could participate uh, on Zooniverse. Yeah,
0: I imagine it's a really great way for kids to get some exposure to... Um, different types of wildlife that's all over the state. Maybe not in their in their particular area. Working with parents or or even or even teachers. I mean, is there are are folks using this in the classroom? Absolutely. About 200 of our
2: volunteers who host trail cameras are educators. They might be in the classroom educators or nature center educators. And we've heard a lot of really good feedback from Mm -hmm. them um, about the way that they've been able to use it in their classroom or in their programming. Uh, It it provides sort of this authentic learning experience. And through citizen science, like Snapshot, they have the opportunity to contribute to sort of real, real science. And oftentimes they're able to do this in their local area in their in their backyard um so to speak uh and you know in in addition to having it be authentic learning experience, it's it's the place based as well Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. and um i mean we'll, we'll talk later about contact information and how people can tie into this but do educators need to register or do anything special in order to use the the program and the data Um, If people are interested in
2: becoming a trail camera host, Mm -hmm. including educators, there is um, a sign-up process that they go through in an application that they fill out on the Wisconsin DNR website. Um, But there's also resources for educators who who might not be interested in hosting a trail camera. Mm -hmm. Certainly, um, educators can use the Zooniverse platform that we've talked about, or we also have some lesson plans and resources available for educators on our website that you wouldn't necessarily have to host a trail camera to use. So there's a lot of different opportunities for Mm -hmm. educators to get involved and not necessarily as a trail camera host.
0: Sure. So um, I first became aware of your project through an article in the New York Times that ran in January. Um, And that uh, article featured a study that um, was done at Michigan State University that used the data from Snapshot Wisconsin to in the, in their research, to, is can you can you speak to that at all? I know that Jen, I think you were quoted in that article, so um, maybe you can speak to how that how the data was used in that case.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was really neat to have this story picked up by the New York Times. And just going back to Zooniverse for a, yeah. a minute here, because of that exposure, we did see more people join our project on Zooniverse and classify oh, photos. So that was really awesome. Yeah, so the project actually was a project in Wisconsin, and the uh, main author there, Neil Gilbert, he currently was at the Michigan State University, so that's Mm -hmm. why his affiliation is there. But Neil was actually a Ph.D. student here in Madison at UW-Madison in the Wildlife Ecology Department. And he worked on Snapshot Wisconsin. And so he was interested in looking at sort of behavior information in the data set. And what he looked at was using, you know, snapshot Wisconsin data, the same project we've been talking about this hour, uh, the data from that project and looking at pairs of species and when these different species pairs occur on the same trail camera and how much time there was between the occurrence of say a deer and then a coyote. That's just an example. There Mm -hmm. are 74 species pairs. So he looked at the time between when these species pairs were detected and then looked at that on a gradient of human disturbance or human use of the landscape and he came up with a couple of different hypotheses and the one that was best supported by the data was the hypothesis a compression hypothesis Mm -hmm. he called it and that's where this human activity led to compressing the time between uh, pairs of species interaction so that time gets shorter uh, and it matters whether uh, like what year he called it an antagonism level so a deer and a coyote have a high antagonism level uh, but a deer and a squirrel would have a low antagonism level so dealing with the size of the critter and the you know the status of the critter whether they're you know a carnivore or a herbivore Uh, And so that was really interesting work because we don't set out to look at behavior very often from the trail camera photos. We're not looking to see um, how deer are responding to coyotes. But the data are all there to understand these behaviors and these behavior differences, you know, again, across this gradient of the landscape. So that's what that study was about. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty cool. It was picked up by the New York Times. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And I imagine that, I mean, he could go back and revisit that data at another four years or whatever and see how whatever it might be, road construction or other human activity around those areas might impact that frequency of of critters crossing paths, basically.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. The data set keeps growing. Mm -hmm. And we should mention, too, that the data... Our public like they are available for people to use we have a website where people can download some of the data it's our data dashboard mm-hmm. uh, and that's available for, for people to use anytime but people researchers um, educators often contact us and would like some specific data to do a project right. and the data is available for anyone to
0: use okay so I was gonna ask. so there are other other folks who are requesting this data do you know of any specific projects where the the data is being applied ongoing right now?
1: Yeah, one that just ended as well was at UW Stevens Point. Mm-hmm. So it's common that we're working with graduate students uh, to help us uh, pour, pull more out of the data because the data, it's such a big data set. So that project was on turkeys and turkey poult to hen ratios, kind of similar with the idea of the fawn to doe ratios that I described before. And yeah, most simply looking at the trail camera data to try to understand how we could get accurate counts of poults and hens throughout the season, Uh, because poults are really hard to see. I mean, if you've ever seen a flock of turkeys, they they kind of move um, in a big group. And so they can be really challenging to count. And they're harder to count when they're first born compared to when they're a bit bigger. But then when they get too big, you can't distinguish them from the hens. So there's a big timing. Component to that study. Right, right. Interesting.
0: Um, all right. It is uh, 1227 and you are listening to a public affair. I'm Catherine Garvin's your host today. I'm speaking with Christine Anhalt Depes and Jennifer Stenglein of the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources about Snapshot Wisconsin, a citizen science program that tracks wildlife throughout the states using trail cameras. Um, we are taking your calls today. Um Uh, And we'd love to hear your questions for my guests or if you have any wildlife sightings that you'd like to tell us about, whether urban or rural, um, we'd love to hear that, too. You can give us a call at 608-256-2001. We we have a, co- a a comment from a, a caller who called in. Um, he did not stay on the line, but maybe you can maybe you can address this since it might be concern of others. He says, "I'm going to be a bit a, bit, a little contrarian. This sounds like mass surveillance, but for wildlife, why not spend the resources to create more habitats?" Do you have any response or or comment? Yeah. <clears throat> My response to that would be
2: that you know wildlife monitoring is a really um, essential part of of wildlife conservation and mm-hmm. management. Um, and so, certainly, habitat is also a, a very important component of that. Um, but in order to understand if habitat conservation is effective, um, you know, monitoring our, our populations to see if they're responding to habitat is, is really an essential um, part of the process. You mm-hmm. know, there's there's actions that we can take on the ground, but continuing to evaluate um, those helps us learn to and, and, mon- and um, maybe make changes in the way that we're um, doing. Habitat management, and so that's one of the things that I think is really powerful about Snapshot Wisconsin is that it is um, provides this monitoring um, component that is an important part of um, wildlife conservation. But mm-hmm. I think doesn't it doesn't dis- diminish the importance right. of habitat conservation and management as well.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, so, okay, is there anything that I haven't asked you about or that we haven't discussed that you think is important for listeners to know um, about the project.
1: I have one thing to add here. The di- in the different ways that we use the data mm-hmm. and research, uh, we have you know the Snapshot Wisconsin project, trail camera monitoring is getting more and more popular. Uh, it's a fantastic technological tool to uh, provide data for seeing all sorts of species in different habitats, um, different places mm-hmm. across the country. So one of the things Snapshot Wisconsin is fortunate enough to do is contribute its data to an, a much bigger network of that research. That program's called Snapshot USA. Okay. Yeah. There's also a Snapshot Serengeti, and there's a Snapshot Uber. There's all sorts of of different Snapshot programs. Uh, But uh, Snapshot USA uh, is now and I think it's going to be its fourth year. And it brings contributions from these different trail camera networks all across uh, the, it's actually even bigger than the USA, it's North America, and now there's actually a snapshot Europe as well. Uh, So these really big uh, research um, projects are able to bring together data from these really large scales. Uh, And that's been a neat thing that we've been able to contribute to since Mm -hmm. it started. And uh, I'm just excited that we'll continue to put energy into that.
0: And these are also hosted on that Zooniverse platform? Not, no, not no, necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay.
1: Some of them are. Some of those other snapshot projects I mentioned are on sure. Zooniverse. But the Snapshot USA, it's a lot more flexible. It allows people. Uh, You have to have some parameters. It's usually just a handful 10 to 12 trail cameras that are monitored in a pretty small area over a couple months in the fall. And if you meet those uh, parameters, then you can submit your data to be part of Snapshot USA. But it doesn't have to go through. Universe Actually, Snapshot USA has its own platform called Wildlife Insights, where uh mm-hmm. researcher, it's kind of a more of a research platform, and it's there that they do the photo classification.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. So what's next for um, Snapshot Wisconsin? What's the long-term plan in terms of um, expanding the platform? Uh, maybe you're recruiting more volunteers? Um you know other ways to use the data do you have some plans in place or do others have plans in place for this information
2: on the volunteer front, we hope that the project continues to grow. Mm-hmm. We have the state divided into over 6,000 survey blocks. Uh, so there's plenty of additional opportunities for volunteers to participate in the program, um, both as a trail camera host as well as you know our, our database of photos continues to grow. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before that we have 78 million photos. Uh, that grows by about a million photos e- each month. Wow. So we almost constantly have additional photos that we're adding to the Zooniverse webpage.